there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Bless you. Welcome everybody to Bank Holiday Monday service weekend, which is ordinarily empty. And look at you all, your keynotes. So well done for being here. No pressure on me, but I thought this would be an easy one. And now there's loads of you, but it's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, welcome to church, everybody. If it's your first time, Danny's already said you're very, very welcome. Don't worry if people are doing weird things with their hands as they're singing. They're not asking to go to the toilet. I always thought that when I first came into church, that they were putting their hand up like they needed to go and asking the vicar permission. No one's doing that. They're just worshipping God. But don't be freaked out by it if it's different to what you used to. Um, I want to ask you a question this afternoon. I nearly said this morning then, but someone's already done that, and I don't, want to, I don't want to do a double whammy. This afternoon, it is afternoon. I feel really out of puff after that song, by the way. <sighs> Worship and preaching together. Hard work. Um, the question is, whether you're in church for the first time, thinking they're all a bit strange, or you've been here for years, I'm going to ask you a question, and Stella's going to put it on the screen. A bit like an RE lesson, this one. How do we follow Jesus? I'd love to come around with a microphone and put you all on the spot, but don't worry, I'm not going to do that today. Um, but I think we've been a little bit misled in recent years that following Jesus and being changed by Jesus is as simple as turning up on a Sunday and singing some songs. But if you think about it, that's as ridiculous as saying, if you come down the front of church and I'll pray for you to become a Grand Slam tennis champion, you will be so without ever having picked up a racket. It's not as simple as that. It's not just about coming to church and singing a few songs. And yet, when we teach that God loves us unconditionally, which he does, and when we teach that God saves us by grace and not by our works and the things that we do, which is true, we can mislead people then into thinking that following Jesus and being changed by him requires nothing from us. And I want to burst that bubble this afternoon a little bit and tell you that God does require things of us when we follow him. He does. He requires perseverance. It requires diligence, and it does require effort. Now, you might think, but that's opposing the idea of God's grace, Lindsay. I'm saved by grace, not works. You all know that. Well, Dallas Willard, the very famous theologian, once said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. There's a difference. Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. We can't earn God's favor. Like, if I work hard enough and give enough money and sing loud enough, he'll like me more. That's not how it works. We save by grace. He loves us, not because of what we do, just because he loves us. But grace is not opposed to effort. It doesn't mean, therefore, that you can sit on your hands and do nothing. So we can't earn his love and acceptance. He's given freely through Jesus, thank God. But to follow after Jesus, to follow after him, does require some effort on our part. It does cost. Jesus said it was going to cost. He warned us that following him would cost us. And then it would be hard sometimes, but he also promised us that following him is transformational. It's abundant life giving. So today we're going to explore the effort involved in following Jesus. So today's message is named after a very famous Ice Cube song, which has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. For the record, don't ever Google the words to this. It's not the sentiment of this preach. Put you back into it. I can't, I can't think is I can't hear it without hearing the song and you're all there, you're all singing it in your head. Not good. But put you back into it. Before Ice Cube made that phrase famous, it was a turn of phrase that meant 
Put some hard work into what you're doing. Put your back into it. Put some effort in. So we're going to just explore this afternoon how much we have to put our backs into following Jesus in order to stick at it. And I want to encourage you, those of you who are finding it at the minute like a bit of a tough walk, that following after him at the minute is a challenge, that it is, it is tiring, it's, it's, it's exhausting, it's stressing you out, it's, it's hard work. If that's you this afternoon, please be encouraged that even though you're working hard and even though it feels like it's a strain, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Okay? You're not missing the key to this easy Christian living that is the myth. So keep plodding on and keep putting the effort in. Because the Bible talks about this effort required of us in following Jesus time and again. All the way through the Bible, the Bible uses this same analogy that really resonates with me personally because it actually compares following Jesus and this Christian life to running a race. Okay? And this analogy is used loads of times through the scriptures. There's actually loads of running and sporting references and metaphors in the New Testament in particular. You can find them in the letter to the Galatians, the Philippians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Timothy and Hebrews. Um, and there's also athletic and sporting metaphors in the book of Romans too. So these are just a few examples of the famous ones you might have heard. Galatians 2.2. 2. I want to be sure I'm not, I, I am not running and have not been running my race in vain. 2 Timothy 4.7. Hold firmly to the word of life and then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Uh, yeah, so that was two Philippians 2, sorry. 2 Timothy 4.7. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And 1 Corinthians 9, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not, la that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it a slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Loads and loads of other ones. Analogies and metaphors comparing being a Christian to running. Now, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? This really speaks to me because I am a runner. And now I'm going to show off with some photographs of myself. Okay, I'm going to come down so I can, because I can't really see them here. Okay, the first one, I'm going to show off. I am. I'm going to brag because I'm proud of it and I've worked flipping hard and my quad muscles prove it. Um, top right, top left, Wolverhampton Trail Half Marathon. Last year, I hadn't trained for that. You can tell that was towards the last mile and I was very tired. Me and Rachel did a colour run in the summer last year and got covered in chalk and had to run through inflatables. It actually sounded more fun than it actually was in reality. It just felt a bit weird. Anyway, uh, that's DK10K this year, last year. I can't remember, I've done a few of them. That was running from the car garage in the winter in Kingsmanford across the railway walk in lots of snow. That was, a, that was a hard one, but lots of fun. That's another DK. That's another Wolverhampton half. Next one, another chalky one. That was, the middle one's my first ever um, trail 10K. I nearly died. That frozen canal behind me, I felt like a worthy selfie. The canal's frozen. That's worth... I did stop to lob stones into it to see if I could smack it, but I couldn't. I did a Santa run. That was quite fun. We did a 5K around West Park. That middle one's Lake Vernwee Half Marathon, and that's Birmingham Half. There you go. I like running. So when the Bible talks about running... It's quite interesting to me because I get it. I, kinda, I can identify with the analogies. I uh, started running in 2019 by doing the Couch to 5K. Anyone ever tried or attempted or completed the Couch to 5K app? Stella has. One of you. 
Two of you. Come on, three, four. Come on, people. That, <laughs> it's a big house. It's a very big house. I did the Couch to 5K app uh, two years after I had Daniel, our second son. Um, and I had run a little bit before that, but nothing serious. But I highly recommend this app. It was very good. I had Michael, Michael Jordan in. Jordan? Johnson? He was the runner. Johnson? You can have Sarah Millican, but she was a very different effect on me. She's a size 20. It didn't quite work to motivate me, I'll be honest. But an Olympic athlete did. So um, she, do, she does. She says, you can have a Mars bar in a minute. And I thought, that's not making me want to run faster, Sarah. That's just making me want to stop and stuff my face. It might work for you. She's very funny. Anyway, I had Michael, whoever it was, in my ear telling me, if you've got stitch, just lift your head. If you're feeling tired, keep your body still. It's an excellent app. That's what he sounds like. Nothing for that. You are such a hard crowd to please. So I went from not being able to run really more than a mile to running. Uh, I've done five half marathons, loads of 10Ks. I run 5K most days along the Rock Woman Canal. And I've got some personal bests now. I am. I'm going to tell you my PBs because I've got a watch that tells me how fast I'm running. It's like very unladylike, but very, very effective. Um, one kilometre, four minutes, two, uh, four minutes, two seconds for one kilometre now. I'm proud of that. Uh, one mile, seven minutes, 43. You're impressed, but you wait till I carry on and tell you what's... Yeah, thank you. Thanks. My 5K PB is now 25 minutes, 55 seconds. So that, that still feels quite slow, because Bryn does it in 10 minutes. Um, 10K, 52.32. And I've done a half marathon in one hour, 56. But let me tell you something. Those PBs have taken a lot of effort. Uh, I've had to put my back into it. Uh, they were developed through lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of runs. Two and a half thousand miles since 2019. I have it on the app. Um, so when I read in the Bible these analogies about running, I can identify with them. And so could the people reading them when they were written, right? Because... They weren't all necessarily runners, and they didn't have, you know, PBs and all that stuff. But actually, historically, it wasn't an, un it wasn't an unusual analogy to help people understand the effort required of Jesus' followers. Because he wrote, Paul wrote most of these letters, apart from the book of Hebrews, and most people think he wrote that too. But the rest of the letters that were written were written by Paul, and they were intended for Christians in these big Roman cities where athletics and sport was like the primary source of entertainment. Okay, It's like the birthplace of the Olympics some other people were living in. Um, Corinth itself was a city that hosted its own kind of Olympic Games called the Ishmaean Games. Um, they had the Colosseum in Rome where, they, you know, they used to, like, kill each other for sport. It was like the first ever UFC, the Colosseum. People would go and watch these gladiators fight to the death. So they were used to these kind of sporting things. And so it's easy to see why Paul used this analogy so often to help people understand and compare following Jesus to running, to being sporty, to being athletic. Because everyone knew what he was talking about. And that was important. It was important that people understood the point he was making. Because the purpose of these letters that he was writing was to help these new Christians live this Christian life. To help them persevere when it got tough. To teach them that the effort that's needed in following Jesus. To encourage them. To instill faith and hope and love and joy into them so that they didn't give up. To correct them when they were going off track. To challenge them when they weren't behaving as Christians should. And then to inspire them to keep going in their faith, to remind them 
that they needed to put their backs into it. So today, we're going to focus on one verse in particular that does this exact thing, and that I've understood a lot more since I started running more. And we're going to explore today some practical things that we need to do to maintain the effort needed to follow Jesus. The literal things we can put our backs into when we're following him. So this is the, the scripture we're going to focus on. This is in Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. And a lot of you will know this verse really, really well. It goes like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I want to share with you just three things today that have spoken to me from this passage that encourage me to continue to put in the effort in to following Jesus, especially when it's pretty tough. Number one, run the race marked out for you. He says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Lesson number one, don't compare yourself to other people. Now, I want to show you something on the slide now, and it's a lovely little app called Strava. Has anyone ever heard of Strava? Use Strava. It's not just runners that use Strava, swimmers, cyclists, triathletes. Yeah, Strava is a, a, a deadly app. It's, uh, it's not been a great effect on me, I'll be honest. It's like Facebook for runners. And uh, it's very sad. You can look at other people's runs and how fast they're going and how far they're running. And then you upload your own runs to it and you can follow each other and give each other kudos when you've completed a run and make little snide comments about how fast you are. No, I don't have any snide comments from other people on mine. I follow nice people. But Strava is a cool app. It is good. It, it, it analyzes all the statistics from your run. You complete a run, you stop your watch, you link it to the app, and it analyzes everything for you. It's very clever. And it's something that I love and hate in equal measures. I love it because I can tell you all these fantastic stats and show off. I didn't know I can run a mile in two seconds. Um, I love it for that. Um, I can see all the, how fast I've run. I can see the different splits and how quickly I, I am at going down this particular part of the route that I go on. It's very clever. However, Strava also allows me to follow the progress of other runners. Like I say, it's a bit like Facebook for people that run. And this is where it starts to do me personally no good at all. Because I don't just look at my own run on Strava. I look at everyone else's too. And comparison starts to creep in. Very, very quickly followed by self-doubt and loathing. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, I can see that Bryn Christopher can run one kilometre in 30 seconds whilst climbing a mountain and having a tent on his back. He's an ultra runner, an ultra runner, not a marathon runner. He's an ultra runner. How many miles in an ultra marathon, Bryn? Minimum 35, 26 in a normal one. 35 miles he runs. So when I watch Bryn on Strava and I see my pretty little 25 meter 5K, how can you hear fast? Can you do 5K, Bryn? 19. No, he's not even got a two in front of his 19 minutes. And I watch Bryn and myriad of other very fast runners that I follow on Strava, and I feel like my achievements are rubbish, like absolutely rubbish. Now, I've got a great example of this. When I ran my first ever 10-kilometer 10, 10 road race, I'd only been running a few months. I ran it my first 10K in uh, 2019. I've been running about four or five months, I think. And I was so pleased. I never thought I'd get to run five, like 10K at all. So... The fact that I did it in like a semi-competitive race, I was so pleased. 
Um, and I got, I got my first ever PB. I did it in 56.24. That was three years ago, four years ago nearly. Um, my previous off-road 10K took over an hour to complete. So I was over the moon with this time in this DK race I did. And if you'd asked me before the race what my target was, I'd have said 58 minutes. So I got 56.24. I was absolutely floating on air. And then I ran into my friend Katie. And Katie told me her time in that same race, and she did it in 50 minutes. And I was just gutted. I was absolutely gutted. Not that I wasn't happy for her. I was happy and, you know, hateful in equal measures. Um, she'd worked very hard. She deserved it. But suddenly my own comparison was, at my own uh, achievement in comparison was absolutely naff. And then I got home and logged on to Strava and saw Jason's time. And Jason did it in 48 minutes. Who does a 10K in 48 minutes? Bryn, what did he do to 10K in? 42. Of course he does. Do you ever feel that way in life? Yeah? I know, I know that many of you do, because we live in a future that, in a culture that fuels whole industries that thrive off that self-doubt that we have by comparing ourselves to other people. There's always someone faster or thinner or fitter or prettier or cleverer or better than us. And there's loads of products then that you can buy to help you become better and thinner and fatter. Not fatter, for you can't, but some people want that and that's fine. Uh, do ask a sumo wrestler. That's the class how they feel. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Joe, like you know, like you know what sumo wrestlers want. I'm oh, sorry. There's loads of products that you can buy. You can join a gym. You can get a tattoo, whiten your teeth, whatever you want. Anything we can do to try and make ourselves feel better or feel as good as those around us. And self-doubt and low self-esteem and poor self-image, they are fueling, fueling a mental health pandemic in our nation today. And if we're not careful, that culture infiltrates church too. Because how often do we find ourselves making comparison to those of us in this room, in worship? Oh, they look really into it today. Why well, are I feeling what they're feeling? What's wrong with me? In prayer, my prayers are rubbish compared to hers. I sound like just a baby compared to how eloquent she is when she prays. I'm not going to bother praying anymore. In life group, that guy knows his Bible. How does he know all those verses? I can't even find the book of Malachi. Where is it? It's human nature on many levels. And Jesus' first disciples were exactly the same. We see in the way that Peter responded to Jesus' calling in John 21. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's gone to find his disciples again. And he sees Peter and the others. And he calls Peter. He, asks, he says, Peter, follow me. I want you to look after my church. It's this amazing commission he gives to Peter to stay faithful to him up until death. Amazing, amazing um, call over his life. And he stands there, Jesus does, and he speaks destiny over Peter. And after hearing it all, do you know what the first thing Peter says? He points to the disciple John and says, what about him? That's, that's a word-for-word word quote, that is, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answers, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. How often we're guilty of comparing ourselves with others. And the writer of Hebrews, he doesn't tell us to run with perseverance, the race marked out for Peter or John or me. And Jesus didn't say to Peter, you just, just go and follow John, do, do what he does. No, he said, you must follow me. It's a personal call. And it does imply that we both, we all have slightly different journeys to make. 
We all have the same destination, but maybe a different route to reach it. We each face different challenges. We've each got different strengths and different giftings and different characters that are unique to us. The Christian life is not about competition. And God's got no favourites. And yet so subtly we can begin to mentally compete with others. We can think everyone else around us has got it sorted except for us. And we compare ourselves to other people. They're more gifted than I am. They're more committed than me. And self-doubt and comparison, they creep in and it discourages us, robs us. And before long, it can lead us into believing lies that God loves us less or is less pleased with us than he is with other people. And Paul, he challenges these lies head on in Galatians 5. This is what he says. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Don't ever let us be the ones that cut in on each other. <laughs> Let's be open and transparent with each other. My friend Gemma, she ran that same DK race in, also in 50 minutes and told me that afterwards she threw up. <laughs> and that made me feel just marginally better. That at least I wasn't sick afterwards. Um, she hated every minute of it, she said. And that, that helped. It wasn't about misery-loving company or anything. Um, it wasn't about being negative for negativity's sake or justifying myself. It's more like if only we were more honest with our failings and our struggles as well as our victories, we might just find each other more encouraged by knowing that other people struggle just like we do, and yet they still make it through. They're still more than conquerors in Christ, and therefore I can be too. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how by being open with our victories and honest about our shortcomings, we can spur each other on to love and good deeds, spurring each other on to keep putting our backs into it. So don't be hindered by comparing yourself to others. Run the race marked out for you. Lesson number two, run with perseverance. The second lesson I've learned from running, don't give up. And when I, when I speak to people about running, the general answer I get is, without doubt, you've run. Oh, I can't run. I can't run. Thinking, no. I'm pretty sure you can run. If you were being chased by some kind of wild animal, you'd run. You'd find the legs working. Unless you physically don't have legs that work, you can run. You can. Everyone can. And, uh, but people often say, I can't pace myself. I can't get past the first mile. I get the stitch after 30 seconds. It's so painful. I hate, I hate running. I can't run. I'm too big. I'm too small. My legs aren't long enough. Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. My advice to these people is, I mean, if you don't want, want to run, that's fine. Not everyone's, running's not for everyone. I feel like I'm a bit of a physical uh, personal trainer now. Come on, you fools, run! I don't mean that. It's fine to bike. Just, just do something to get active. Let's get active. But if you do want to run and you think you can't run, my advice to these people is that unless you have a physical injury that inhibits your movement, everyone can run. If I can do it, you can do it. But you have to press on. You have to press on past that first mental wall. I really do sound like a trainer now. I'm going to keep going with this. Don't give up. Press on. I really want to start rapping Eminem then as well. That's not good, is it? Why am I thinking of all these profane rappers while I'm preaching? Jesus, help me. Um, anyway, when your mind tells you that you can't do it, you have to press on anyway. Because your body is far more capable than you think it is. Now, I realize, like I say, I sound like a fitness coach. But this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews is doing in this verse. He is being Joe Wicks. He's a Christian spiritual Joe Wicks or Rosemary Conley, if that's your persuasion. I don't know. I can't. They're the first two I thought of. Who's another really famous trainer? 
Go with Rosemary Connolly. Oh, she, she, she was good. I lost the rest with Rosemary Connolly. What a legend she is. This is what he's doing. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. He's basically given a motivational speech. Or she, could be a woman that wrote it, FYI. Maybe that's why they didn't give her a name. Don't know. He or she, they're giving us a motivational speech. They're acting like a spiritual personal trainer. They're saying, come on, keep going. Don't stop. Press on. Persevere. They're reminding us that we, we can all live this Christian life. We can. We can all run this race. It's just going to take a bit of effort. It's going to take some perseverance more on some days than others. Joyce Mayer finally said that the, the mind is a battlefield. And I find that when I run. And I find it in life too. When I screw up and I find myself entangled in sin or guilt or self-doubt, that the writer of this book reminds us to throw off those habits and those mindsets which entangle us and keep on running. How many new believers have fallen at the first hurdle? They started out excited and invigorated and on fire for Jesus and then they come across something in their lives that, that the Lord might put his finger on or challenge maybe a behavior, a habit, a relationship that's not helping, and they start running. This is too hard. They say, I can't, I can't give that habit up. And they fall away. Thousands, thousands and thousands of people have got to that, that point and then stopped. And Jesus experienced that response in people all the time. This is, he would often said, this is a really hard teaching. Jesus, this is really hard. How can you, how do we follow through on this one? And they walked away. And this scripture in Hebrews, it's supposed to encourage us on those days when those challenges come, when it feels too hard, when it starts to hurt, to keep on running, to run with perseverance. Don't give up. And when I am running, honestly, there are some runners that I enjoy more than others. Some days I feel really, really physically fit and fine and it doesn't, I, I've, the, the run's done really quickly and it, it's just really enjoyable. Other days, it's painful. I can't tell you the difference. I wish I knew. It's just some days it hurts more than others. And on those days, I might run a bit slower or adjust my stride. If I get the stitch, I'll change the way I breathe. I remember what Michael told me. <laughs> but what I don't do is stop. Because if I stop, I'm still stuck three miles from home. <laughs> There's only one way to get there. I've got to keep going. So if I slow down, I adjust my pace, but I keep pressing on. And the same is true in this Christian life that we're all living. And that's why Paul likens living your life as a Christian to running a race. Because some days it will be easier some days it will all be downhill, easy peasy. Your weight basically carries you down it and you barely feel like you're moving at all. Other days, it's like going uphill through treacle. It's tougher. Challenges come into our lives. Maybe it's financial difficulties or health issues or problematic relationships, but we keep on pressing on. Elsewhere in the Bible, Paul says, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, this Christian life. But one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. To finish this race, to live our lives as Jesus followers in this world, we have to forget what's gone before us. Forget our previous performances, good or bad. Don't listen to the self-doubt and the self-condemnation that so easily creeps in. And instead we press on to win the prize. And this is the final and most important lesson of all that I've learned. Keep your eyes on the prize. 
the scripture says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. When I'm running, if I'm running just a normal type, normal day of the week, generally the prize is finishing it and trying to do a decent time. That t- I tend to just race against myself in the clock. If I'm in a race, the, win- the prize is the T-shirt. I don't want the medal. I hate it, actually, when they give you a medal and not the T-shirt. I can't wear the medal to school and show off. I want the T-shirt that says I've done a half marathon. So everyone thinks I'm a- amazing. That's why we all wear them. If you see a runner knocking around, by the way, in those T-shirts, it's not because they're stylish. It's because of what it says on the front. I nearly wore one today, but I already you hate me, I can tell. So the T-shirt would have just solidified your absolute judgment of how much of a cocky person I am. But when I'm running, the prize is the medal or the T-shirt, or the time. But as a Christian, Jesus is the prize. Right, we keep running because he's the one for whom, to whom, and with whom we run. He's worth giving up the sin that so easily entangles. He's worth enduring the challenge of spiritual training and pruning. He's utterly satisfying and absolutely worth running towards. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. This is in the message version. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honour, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story item by item. That long itinerary of hostility he ploughed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So Jesus isn't only calling us to the finish line. He's run the race himself. He's done it. And therefore, he equips us wholly and completely with everything that we need to finish the race ourselves. He gives us all the strength we need. He replenishes our thirst when we're thirsty. He gives us shelter when we're hot. He gives us food for our souls when we lack energy and are hungry. And he shoots adrenaline into our weary souls. So my challenge today, very simply, is this. How's your race going? (laughs) Have you even started it yet? Do you need to slow it down a bit? You know, you should only run, they say this, you should only run at a pace where you can hold a conversation with someone. You should be able to talk while you're running. Otherwise, you can't maintain that speed for very long. So if you're flat out in this Christian life, maybe it's time to slow down a bit. Not stop, not give up and walk away, just... Chill out a bit, slow down, have a rest. Jesus invites us to come and do just that if we're weary to experience his peace. So do you need to slow it down? Do you need to speed it up? Maybe you're barely breaking a sweat and it's time to push yourself a bit more and see how God wants to challenge you and use you. And some of you could be running a lot quicker than you are in this spiritual life. I'm speaking in metaphors now, not literally. You're capable of more than you're giving. You're gifted and you're called to a marathon, not just a jog around the park. So do you need to pick up the pace a bit? Maybe you've hit the wall again. Do you find yourself in a position today where you've just come to a hill and it looks just too huge to climb? Maybe God's put his finger on something in your life or an attitude or something he wants to work on with you so that you can continue to run unentangled by sin. But the thought of having that dealt with is just too much and you just want to know, I like this part of me, leave it alone. My heartfelt advice, if that's you, would be this. No matter how painful it might be, 
please let the Lord work on it. Run up the hill. Endure the pruning spears. The view from the top could just be life-changing if you get there. Christian life, it takes effort. You have to put your back into it. But the journey is so worth it. And finally, is it time to start running the race for the first time? Maybe you've never started running it. You've heard of this Jesus thing. You've been to church a few times. You've seen some of your friends and they seem to be a bit different, but you're not sure why. Maybe you're curious. Let me be the one to tell you. It's this Christian life that we call to, this race that we call to run, is the most exhilarating, challenging, fulfilling thing you will ever do because it was what you were made for. So God says to you this afternoon, start running. Put one foot in front of the other. It's time to start running. And there's going to be a prayer on the screen in a second. And we're all going to pray this prayer together. We're going to do it out loud. Why not? Let's do it out loud. And if you want to pray this for the first time, this is your, your chance to kind of start running that race to say to God, I know I'm, I'm okay. If you can help me, I'll run it. <laughs> And he will help you, and he will challenge you, and he will transform you, and it will be the most incredible decision you ever make. So, Ban, can you guys come back up, please? And I'm going to ask everyone to stand, if that's okay, if you're able to. Could you stand up, please? And while Sam starts to play... We're going to pray this prayer out loud together. We're all going to read it from the screen. And if you're praying this for the first time, just know that the Lord hears every single word that you're saying. It doesn't matter that you're in a room full of 50 or 60 other people. God knows what you're thinking and he knows your heart. And he's interested in hearing what the words that you're going to say to him. So let's pray them all together now. God, I know I haven't lived my life for you up until now. I've been running in a completely different direction trying to prove to everyone that I'm good enough. But I know I'm not, and I'm sorry. I believe Jesus died for me so that I can be made right in your eyes. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. Please forgive me. Come into my life now, Lord. Take up residence in my heart and be my King, my Lord, and my Saviour. From this day forward, I will choose to run with you. I will no longer be controlled by the sin that so easily entangles me or the desire to please myself, but I will follow after you all the days of my life. Jesus, you are my prize. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, I will strongly um, encourage you to talk to myself or John or anyone that you see really at the front of the church because we'd love to give you a Bible and just help you in the next steps in that journey that you're on. Um, and you're very, very welcome here at Springs Church. We'd love to help you in it as well. So we're just going to worship the Lord again now. And um, I just encourage you to just ask the Lord to show you what your race is like. Allow him to minister to you, to challenge you, to encourage you, to refresh you, to restore you. And do all the things that it needs to do in use so that you are an athlete that, that is running a race with perseverance and effort. Because it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. So let's worship the Lord now.
thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless. My